0: Thank you for listening to Oppenheimer's Let's Talk Future podcast series. In this episode, our guest is Robin Graham, Head of Technology Investment Banking at Oppenheimer, and our host is Jane Ross, Managing Director of Investment Banking. This episode was recorded on June 24, 2021. Please subscribe to our channel to instantly access previous episodes. Subscribing also means that you won't miss out on new episodes with our thought leaders we are bringing you timely and relevant insights about the markets, investing, business, new technology, and life in general. Welcome to our episode called Technology Stocks and the Future of Going Public. I'm your host, Jane Ross, and we're talking with Robin Graham, the Managing Director and Head of Technology Investment Banking at Oppenheimer. In this episode, we wanna discuss the current state of technology deals and issuance trends. We'll discuss the viability, or not, of utilizing SPACs in the future to take tech companies public. We'll analyze public company trends and we'll describe the next cohort of pre-IPO companies that are in the queue to go public. Finally, we'll end with a lightning round of questions for Robin. We'll throw out important subsectors in tech to get his views on major themes. That'll be fun, I think. Now, as many of our listeners know, Robin Graham is the head of technology investment banking at Oppenheimer. He works with public and private companies. He co-founded Oppenheimer's Private Market Opportunities Fund series. He's a limited partner across venture funds, and he brings over twenty-five years of experience in the field. So, once again, welcome, Robin.
1: Thanks very much, Jane. It's uh, great to be back on your podcast.
0: Well, it's good to have you back on this podcast. So. You and I did an episode here last summer, which feels like a very long time ago, and a lot has happened, a lot of it counterintuitive in the market for tech stocks and companies. So could you bring us up to date?
1: Absolutely, Jane, thanks. So let's just rewind quickly and review the many developments last year brought us. As everyone knows, we went into a sharp bear market driven by the COVID-19 pandemic last spring. And, and tech was no exception in that bear market initially. As the Fed and administration responded and investors began to realize the implications of um, a pandemic workplace environment, they quickly realized a work from home and shelter in place would really drive our economy to e-commerce and digital channels, accelerate things like online services and education and healthcare. And lead to what we talked about in our last podcast, which was really the great digital transformation taking place in the economy. Mm-hmm. So they allocated capital to to those sectors of growth in the economy, which were largely tech-enabled sectors, and the net result was a recovery in the stock market, led by technology stocks, and that you know collectively pulled us out of the, the shortest, sharpest bear market in history. In uh, investment banking, my team at Oppenheimer was you know, suddenly incredibly busy raising what we termed survival capital for our clients, is our CFOs modeled out worst-case scenarios and projections for their businesses and rebuilt financial models, re-underwrote their businesses to address their capital needs over what they thought might be a two- to three-year recessionary period. And as those balance sheet needs were addressed over the summer of 2020, tech stocks recovered and investors then sifted through the landscape of tech stocks at our August Tech Conference last summer to figure out which Subsectors of technology would maintain growth and which sectors might even be accelerated due to that digital transformation we talked about. And finally, having thought that through, investors then poured capital into the tech stocks that were benefiting from a pandemic environment. The primary beneficiaries there being mobile communications, e-commerce, transitions to the cloud, online learning, enterprise software, all of which saw a sudden acceleration from the fact the population was sheltered in place for most of the year, and people were rapidly and successfully shifting to work-from-home environments.
0: It's crazy just to interrupt how quickly we went from rescue capital to fear of missing out capital. And that seems to be what's driven the market of late.
1: That's right, Jane. The result was that you know tech stocks not only recovered, but they traded to new record highs and valuation multiples. And with the administration pouring more liquidity into the market to support economic recovery, these tech stocks rode that capital to peak through the new year and into February of 2021. So as the vaccine rollouts began in February of 21 and investors began to kind of contemplate what life would look like after COVID, the top started to come off those heady tech valuations. They started to normalize and stocks in the tech industry retreated anywhere between 15 to 30% from those February peaks. So what we saw from our corporate clients and in investment banking in the Oppenheimer Tech Group was that after essentially raising capital to defend the longevity of their businesses, which we call existential angst capital, and tech stocks at new highs, that was replaced by what you're referring to, which was companies benefiting from the pandemic environment by raising capital opportunistically to shore up their balance sheets, to take advantage of the fact that these equities were trading at historically high multiples, And so the results has been an incredibly intensive period for the Oppenheimer Tech banking team. And my team's basically been flat out since last summer raising capital for companies and helping advise them on how to put that capital to work in making strategic acquisitions.
0: Right. Well, it's good to be busy. And in that landscape of offerings, we have to touch on SPACs because it's just been so important for tech companies. If you could spend a couple minutes there, maybe with a quick definition of what we're talking about in SPAC issuance and tech companies.
1: Sure. So while we were out busy raising massive amounts of capital through initially secondary offerings and converts for public companies, private placements for private companies, there's there was a whole cohort of pre-IPO companies that started to come to the table to go public later in that cycle. And that activity largely bifurcated between traditional IPOs and a re-emergence of IPOs through SPACs and SPAC business combinations. So there was a rush of interest to fund experienced investor and operator-led SPAC teams who could help institutional investors screen and sift through the private company universe for businesses that had demonstrated strong product market fit, and we're addressing large global market opportunities. These were in sectors like next-gen mobility, automotive, the shift to electrification of vehicles and autonomous vehicles, and experienced SPAC teams went to work pulling the most promising of these companies out into the public markets and essentially through SPAC vehicles overfunding their long-term capital needs.
0: Robin, so for anyone who's been in a cave for the last six months, can you give us a definition of what a SPAC is?
1: SPAC is essentially an acquisition corporation or a blank check company that, that raises capital without a business to buy a private company and through a reverse merger with that company, go public and take that company public. So they essentially buy a business providing the public capital and, and, and liquidity. And so SPACs have essentially become a more prolific vehicle through which institutional investors could access very promising earlier stage private companies, essentially having the teams involved do the diligence and do the screening by experienced investors and operating executives. And in most cases, those SPAC teams consist of CEOs and ex-CEOs and sophisticated investors who've been deeply involved in taking companies public over multiple decades. And it allowed institutional investors to place long-term bets on private technology companies with massive market opportunities. So I've given some examples of that, next generation automobiles and transportation, particularly electric vehicles, the next generation communications platform, And some of the areas where we saw massive acceleration during COVID, like the shift in education, to online learning, companies like Coursera went public through traditional IPO processes. And now, you know, we're seeing SPACs buying companies that range from dog walking and pet sitting marketplaces like Rover. And as people go back to traveling for business and pleasure, we expect the online travel industry to enjoy a huge and long-awaited boom as well.
0: So SPACs are a good fit with tech companies because tech companies are high-growth companies. And I know in the first quarter of this year, we saw just crazy outsized issuance in SPACs. And then there have been questions about the sustainability of that.
1: What do you think? Yeah, we joked that during COVID, everyone got two things, Jane, a Labradoodle and a SPAC. <laughs> and so now everyone's going back to their offices. Someone has to take care of their new dog and their SPAC has to find a high quality private company to buy. So my, my tech banking team has solutions to both those problems. But yes, it's in many cases, these companies have, have proven product market fit. They're going off to massive global markets. They're looking for capital to go after very big long-term global market opportunities. And as I was saying, that's all been supercharged by several rounds of federal stimulus packages. And that capital has to flow somewhere and it's flown into tech stocks and new issues, including SPACs. So we've now advised on more than a dozen SPAC combinations in the last 12 months across the technology space. We've raised SPAC IPO front ends for some of the best management teams in the market. We've advised them on the buy side in making acquisitions of businesses. We've raised pipes for well, those combinations from the highest quality investors to consummate those deals. And we've nurtured them into the public markets through the de-SPAC process, which is quite intensive. In, in several instances, we've advised companies selling to SPACs, and our expertise in the SPAC process has been really valuable to those clients.
0: And where are we now? I mean, we've definitely hit some speed bumps. There have been questions about the viability of this as a, as a means to go public going forward. Where are we now?
1: So, so more or less as with any boom in financial products, the SPAC boom that started last summer has slowed quite dramatically over the last two or three months. There were more SPACs issued in the first quarter of 2021 than in all of 2020, which itself was a record. Wow! So we've now got you know over 420 less active SPACs out there looking for targets. But I think that really pales in comparison to the literally thousands of promising technology companies that have seen their businesses accelerate through the pandemic environment and who could really avail themselves of that SPAC capital to become successful public companies. So there's still plenty of opportunity for high quality companies to find high quality SPAC teams and go public. And even though the SPAC market is fairly saturated right now, we're starting to see the backside of that. And I think we're gonna see fewer higher quality SPAC teams come public with uh, more thoughtful approaches to higher quality tech companies over the next six to nine months. But until the transactions that are in market right now close, and the investor capital that's gone into SPACs and SPAC pipes gets liquidity and comes back out again, it won't be, it won't be available to reinvest in SPACs in the IPO market. So it's all going to play out, I think, over the next three to nine months.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting. I mean, when you talk about SPACs, we always kind of refer to them as this monolithic thing, but. That's not really true, right? I mean, there are different different kinds of, of SPACs. These are highly customizable.
1: That's right. I mean, just as there's a wide variety of technology companies interested in raising public equity capital, I think something that's underappreciated or misunderstood is that there's an equally wide variety of SPACs out there. I mean, broadly speaking, there are two main categories of SPACs that we talk about in advising our clients. If you're private, there are investor-led SPACs to approach, and then there are operator-led SPACs and and every variation of the two in between. And each one of these has their own unique attributes and benefits and a range of specific industry experience to bring to target businesses. So, so for example, an investor-led SPAC is generally led by an established fund or a fund manager who understand the capital markets well, and they bring that capability to private companies. They're professional investors. They know how to identify companies that are really qualified to go into the public markets They bring a public shell and SPAC capital to fund that business. They're adept and they're sophisticated when it comes to bringing those companies public. And they often can bring a forward purchase agreement to anchor the pipe for institutional investors and give those deals greater certainty of close through a SPAC combination than they would have had as an experience in the the traditional IPO
0: market. So that's a big benefit.
1: Yeah. And then there's the second group of SPACs, which we find really interesting, which are operator-led SPACs. These... These are teams of very, very experienced senior executives, guys who've been there and done that. They're board members and CEOs and CFOs of public companies, sometimes multiple times. And they've grouped together and they bring operating expertise and execution capabilities to perhaps some earlier stage companies to provide really high quality corporate governance to those businesses, as well as executive and operating acumen, which, which allows a company that's perhaps traditionally viewed as being a turn early for the public markets to suddenly be public market ready. And that's a, a principal advantage of operator-led SPACs. And so those are the two types of SPACs we tech companies are generally looking at as they think about going public. And when we represent companies in these conversations, these are the discussions we're having as we qualify interested SPACs down to a small but you know highly qualified group for our clients to engage with more seriously.
0: So given that motivated group of issuers behind SPACs and given the overall receptivity of this market. It sounds like you think SPACs are going to be here to stay.
1: Uh, Yes, we do. Uh, We think that the SPAC market has matured. It's now been validated by the highest quality investors in the market. The whole product has become a lot more sophisticated. So even though we're having a bit of a shakeout in the market right now, we think it's going to be an ongoing and, and prolific vehicle for companies to go public through.
0: Okay, well, let's shift gears then to the traditional side of the blotter. And let's talk about traditional IPOs for tech companies. I know you've been very, very busy there, too. So how are things looking going forward?
1: Um, Absolutely, Jane. So the, the pace of traditional IPO issuance has really picked up as well. As I said, valuation multiples for tech companies, particularly in infrastructure software, enterprise software, security software, consumer internet. Industrial technology, those multiples are quite heady. And um, and issuers are taking advantage of that to bring companies public. And, and so those who haven't chosen to take the SPAC route or don't have a need to go public through through SPACs can go through a traditional IPO process to the public markets. And we've been you know, so busy, we're, we're probably bringing one or two IPOs to market almost every week. Many of these or most of these have traded strongly. They've priced up. They've traded up since their IPOs, which is encouraging institutional investors to put capital into that part of the market as they look for alpha in their portfolios from new issues and, and try to buy positions in disruptive companies that become, you know, long-term creatives of shareholder value. So you've got a massive new cohort of public companies in the market through both SPAC and traditional IPO ruts, and investors have a lot more choice now as to where to put their capital.
0: So it doesn't sound like you're going to get much of a break in the third and fourth quarter of this year. You're going to stay busy.
1: Yeah, that's right. It's particularly in software, in gaming, in digital media, all of those sectors are are really booming right now.
0: Well, you know, when you and I spoke last summer, it was nice because you had your tech conference looming ahead. You had to go virtual for that conference, and I know that ended up being a grand success. And here we are again, emerging from COVID, and your tech conference is looming again. So um, what's it going to look like this year in August?
1: So we had to make the decision earlier this year on whether we were going to do it virtually or in person again, and, and we, we decided the virtual format worked so well last year. We didn't have much insight into what August would look like from a COVID standpoint, so we're doing it virtually again. We had record attendance from institutional investors last year and uh, in that format, and we already have you know meaningfully greater institutional investor attendance enrolled in this August tech conference, so it's looking to be a success. Um, Last year, investors came to the conference to understand what was happening to their companies and in their portfolio and to get to meet some of the up and coming private companies that are coming to market this year through IPOs and SPACs. And as you know, you know, the 2021 Oppenheimer Tech Conference falls right after second quarter earnings get released by most public companies. And so investors will be wanting to get back in front of those companies in our virtual format and understand, you know, not only how they're. Q2 earnings performance was and are being digested, but also what what is the outlook for each of these companies for the rest of the year and for 2022? You know, has their investment thesis in these companies changed? How does it affect the value of their overall portfolios? And then last but not least, they, they really want to get in front of a very strong cohort of private companies that are pre-IPO that'll be presenting at the conference as well, particularly in enterprise and infrastructure software, so they can get to know those companies well ahead of formal IPO roadshows next year.
0: Great. Well, this gets us to the the fun part of this. I thought it would be kind of interesting. You know, you oversee so much in tech. You have so many silos that are reporting to you. And I thought that we could do just a, a rapid fire question period, sort of like a speed dating situation where I can throw out a category to you and you can give us your thoughts about anything noteworthy themes, something of interest, whatever you think. So are you game? Sounds fun. Okay, good. All right, so the first subsector I wanna throw out is semiconductors, hardware and electronics. Go.
1: In semiconductors, investors are really coming to the conference to see companies because they want to understand how the supply chain is recovering in that area. There's been, been a lot of press recently about chip shortages. Investors want to know how those chip shortages are being resolved. What does that mean for ASPs, gross margins, and the, the revenue trajectory of those businesses? And it really, as we enter year two of a typical three-year cycle in semis, they want to get a read on any sign of inventory buildup and chips and basically try to understand what the potential maturity of the cycle is.
0: Okay time's up for that. Okay, this one's a big one for us. Clean tech, sustainability, and industrial tech.
1: So this is a very forward-looking and visionary sector or sectors. Investors are coming to the conference to meet with some of the newly minted public companies in the public markets like ChargePoint and understand what the rate of EV adoption looks like from their perspective, how their investment thesis really playing out with companies that have come public over the last 12 months in that space. Where's the revenue growth happening and uh, and where can investors put capital behind companies in clean tech and sustainability themes to accelerate growth in those businesses? And then ultimately are the investment thesis in these companies tracking expectations.
0: Right. Okay. Here's one. I, I just did an episode with Tim Haran on the cloud. I know it's a big area of focus on us, so discuss the cloud.
1: You know, I think investors are coming to check in on the status of what you discussed with Tim. You know, what's the what's the status of the transition to the cloud? They're going to be particularly focused on cybersecurity in the face of what we saw in the COVID period, a significant ramp in cybersecurity threats to to enterprises. How are these companies helping enterprises respond to those threats? We've all transitioned to conducting work and life through digital channels. Cybersecurity has become a major issue and a major opportunity for security software companies. So the companies coming to our conference are at the forefront of dealing with those threats and it's benefiting their businesses. And we'll be updating investors with those companies in attendance. And then again, the second part of the discussion is really the very large cohort of private companies coming in enterprise cloud infrastructure software as investors try to assess who the next disruptive wealth creators are among among that uh, ecosystem.
0: Yeah, that's good. Having access to those private companies is fantastic. Okay, here's another beneficiary of the COVID environment, application software.
1: Yes, so in application and enterprise software, we've brought a whole host of newly minted companies public over the last nine months. There's so many, in fact, that uh, that there'll be fewer private companies in that space presenting at the conference because most of them are either recently gone public or are in the midst of going public. You know, most of these businesses and software have enjoyed a, a pretty strong lift in their businesses over the, the past year, and investors are trying to understand how sustainable is that as we enter a post-COVID environment. Has that business been pulled in, and will the outlook for growth be relatively a lower growth as a result, or as the whole shift just been accelerated, and will they continue to enjoy strong growth in 2022 and 23? This is particularly important in areas like human capital management software, software that serves the, the back office needs of the enterprise.
0: Okay. How about internet and digital media? I just saw a deal announced for BuzzFeed. What's going on there?
1: So we broadly back at that in consumer internet and digital media. Obviously, there are a number of Subsectors within that ecosystem, most of them have benefited tremendously from work from home in the COVID pandemic, particularly e-commerce companies, gaming, online education being the most obvious. We really saw some incredible value creation in digital marketplaces, from services marketplaces, automotive marketplaces, as the purchases of goods and services were driven online. So investors are coming to the conference to, to meet those companies in order to get an outlook for how they're expected to perform in a post-COVID environment. As the economy recovers more broadly, is the transition to these digital channels permanent or is it really going to rebalance as consumers return to brick and mortar stores to some degree? We're particularly intrigued by insights in online travel companies attending. They'll give investors some data points on what's happening in terms of recovery in the travel industry as they're on the forefront of that industry. We've also had a A big boom in gaming and gaming companies and online sports betting. Some of those companies will be at the conference, and I think investors will be looking to see how those businesses perform as we come out of COVID. People spend less time in those online forums. And then, you know, last but not least, the fintech space, you know, there's been a huge acceleration in mobile payments supporting all of this in e-commerce. And payments networks have boomed as people have shifted behavior. So we have Visa and a few other payments companies coming who will provide investors some insights into what's happening in, in that part of the, the market as well.
0: Okay, well, well done. It wasn't exactly like speed dating because it was a little more substantive than that, but that was terrific. Thank you. And I, I really want to thank you for your time today. This is all just exceedingly topical It sounds as if SPACs are going to be with us in the foreseeable future. It sounds like the IPO activity is going to continue to be robust as we head into the second half of this year. And it also sounds like there's going to be a fair amount of news being made at your your conference. So all the best with that. And thank you again for your time.
1: Thanks, Jane. We're looking forward to it.
0: Don't miss the next episode of Let's Talk Future as we explore a variety of topics important to every kind of investor by bringing our firm's financial thought leaders directly to you. Hit the subscribe button today.